Today we are exploring the idea of audacious prayer. Yeah, one person. It's either all or none, okay? No, I'm kidding. Uh, to, be, to be audacious is, is to show a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. I wonder if you take surprisingly bold risks when you pray. Our passage today is John chapter 15. We're reading from verse one to verse 16. These are the words of Jesus to his followers. He says to them, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Whenever I'm asked to speak on prayer, I'm usually pretty surprised because even though I might appear to be quite effervescent and a little bit bossy when it comes to prayer, I really do acknowledge that there are a whole lot more people here who have tons more wisdom and experience and stamina when it comes to prayer. I am not very good at routine I get really easily distracted. Sometimes I pray like a lost child and not like a beloved daughter. But one thing that I'm, I'm really passionate about is I'm really passionate about, passionate about what we think about ourselves as we pray. I'm really passionate about that and, and I, I, think, I think I have, and I'm, I'm learning a little bit more about, about what that looks like because I reckon the kind of prayer that changes things, I mean, the kind of prayer that really changes things in the world 
is the kind of prayer that is prayed by people who truly believe that they are children of God. It's prayed by people who truly believe they are friends of Jesus. It's prayed by people who truly believe that Jesus has made it possible for us to have full and complete access to the Father. And I want us to be the kind of people that pray like that. I want us to be the kind of people that pray bold prayers knowing who we are. When we come to pray at our connect groups, when we come to pray at 7 a.m. prayer meetings, when we come to pray at Kingdom Come, I want us to be people who come boldly and with audacity and have the faith to ask things of God and ask again and believe that He will actually respond to our request. And we see here in John chapter 15 that Jesus makes some pretty remarkable statements to his followers. He says to them, you are no longer servants, you are friends. I wonder what it means for you to be a friend of Jesus. You might be here at church for the first time and you might think, oh wow, that's available to me? Friendship with God? That's part of this Chriso deal? Friendship with Jesus? Of course, to know Jesus as friend, it's not to ignore him as king and lord. It's not to ignore his authority and sovereignty. In fact, Jesus says that obedience is actually the way into friendship. That when we obey him and we, we remove ourselves from the center of things and we actually yield to the will of God that we enter into the practice of friendship with Jesus. Obedience is of course important. But we're more likely to take risks with a friend than we are to take risks with someone who lords their authority over us and whose punishment we fear. We're more likely to take risks with a friend than we are to take risks with our boss or with our teacher or with our leader. I think the prayers of a friend, I think they're audacious prayers. I think it takes a level of boldness to pray to God as a friend of Jesus. So what does audacious prayer look like? I think audacious prayer challenges culture. In verse seven, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The Greek word used here for remain means to not depart, to continue to be present, to be held and kept continually. I was in a pub last week with some friends of mine who wouldn't identify as Christian, and I met there a girl named Molly. Let's call her Molly. And Molly was from New York. She was an artist and a writer. And she'd recently moved from New York to London. So we were having a chat about what it was like to move and live in London. And it was a really, really casual chat. And then out of the blue, she said in a very New Yorker kind of way, she was like, you know, I really prefer chaos to stillness. I was like, what? 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, like life. I just, in life, I just prefer chaos to stillness. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Like, like, what do you mean by that? And she was like, well, I'm just kind of used to chaos. I mean, I've got like a really mad family and I grew up in New York, which is kind of frenzied and I've got a really stressful job that's busy and distracting. And every time I do something that's non-busy like yoga or going for a long walk, I kind of get overwhelmed by my thoughts and my feelings and I kind of freak out a little bit. And so I'd much rather have activity, you know? I'd much rather have things to do because it makes me feel a little bit more calm and a bit more peaceful. And I kind of took a sip of my drink and I thought about it and, and then I sort of had this thought, I said to her, is it that you feel more peaceful or is it that you feel more comfortable? Because I actually think there's, there's a difference between peace and comfort. And maybe part of the reason that you fill your life with frenzied activity is because when you have moments of stillness, in those moments of stillness, you kind of become aware of the parts of you that are a little bit disconnected. And so actually, you'd much rather avoid the awareness of that discomfort by filling your life with stuff, with busyness. It makes you feel more productive, less human maybe. And she looked at me with a little bit of suspicion <laughs> And she was like, okay, like, what are you? Some kind of white Australian Oprah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> the truth is, I think, I think we're all like Molly, hey, I think we all like to busy ourselves. And maybe that's part of the reason why some of us find prayer kind of challenging because when we find ourselves in the practice of being still and quiet, we, we actually become aware of some parts of ourselves that aren't overly comfortable, some feelings that we don't really like to sit with. And maybe part of the reason some of us find prayer kind of challenging, and, and I would include myself in this, is there's no real immediate measurable results. You know, there's nothing that happens in the moment. When I read a book, I know that after half an hour, I'm 26 pages more intelligent. But when I pray, that I can't really immediately measure that. But actually, Jesus, he, he says here to remain in him, to abide in him, to continually be present to and aware of him. So how do we do that if we're busy and distracted? Because my fear is this with prayer is that because we're so obsessed with productivity in our culture, we actually allow that obsession to shape our experience of prayer when in fact, true prayer is supposed to liberate us from that. I actually think audacious prayer is when we sit still before God and we actually push through and challenge our consumerism. We push through and challenge our pragmatism. We push through and challenge our restlessness. I let the practice of abiding or being present to and aware of God from my mom. My mom first introduced me to Jesus and she, she keeps introducing me to Jesus because she knows him a whole lot more than I know him. And I can remember when I was a teenager, I'd come home from school and my mom would be lying on the floor in the front room. And the first couple of times I was like, mom, what are you doing? Are you okay? And she'd kind of open her eyes and really lightly say, oh, Suze, 
I'm just with Jesus. I'd be like, have you been there all day? Mm, almost. <laughs> and I'd kind of be like, oh, okay, whatever, mum. Like, I'm gonna go do my homework. So I'd like step over her and go to my room and be like, don't forget dinner. <laughs> but I think my mum, my mum taught me what it mean to, means to, to be a friend of God. My mum my taught me what it means to not be in a hurry in the presence of God. She taught me what it means to approach God in prayer with no other objective than simply connection, no other objective than communion. I think, I think audacious prayer looks like that. I think audacious prayer challenges that aspect of our culture. I think part of what we have to offer a busy and distracted and fragmented world is the felt presence of God. And I think we have to learn what it means in our own lives to actively and intentionally cultivate an experience of that, even in the midst of the ordinary. I reckon most of us don't have as many hours as my mom to lie on the floor. So really, maybe what it looks like for us to do that is just 10 minutes before we get out of bed. We just turn our awareness to Jesus with no other objective than just to say hello. Maybe it's when we're doing the dishes. Maybe it's when we're, as I used to do when I was working in offices, I just go to the toilet cubicle sometimes and just sit there just for a few minutes just to bring my awareness once again to Jesus. I think audacious prayer, it challenges our culture. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's really good for you and your mom, and that sounds really cute and mystical and stuff, but um, there's like real problems in the world. And I don't really know what the point of what you're doing is other than just feeling a little bit swirly and a bit squishy. <laughs> and you know what, I, I agree. But I think what happens in that moment is we are, we are compelled to pray audaciously on behalf of other people. Audacious prayer speaks for the other. In verse 15, Jesus draws this distinction between the position of a servant in relationship and the position of a friend in relationship. And he describes that distinction as this, a servant does not know what their master is doing. A servant doesn't have access to the personal realm of their master. A servant doesn't really know the true thoughts and feelings and emotions and motivations of their master. I don't think a servant can sidle up to their master and be like, hey, tell me what's on your heart. But a friend, I think a friend can do that. Because friends, friends share their hearts with one another. Friends show their true selves to one another. Friends, share with each other what matters to them most. And here's the thing that I've learned about the practice of abiding is that as we sit before God in prayer, we become aware of the heart of God and we begin to learn what moves the heart of God. And as we become aware of what moves the heart of God in prayer, our hearts are moved by what moves his heart. And here's the thing, God's heart is always moved by those who suffer. So that means in our lived experience, we become more aware of an impulse within us 
towards people who are in need. We become more aware of an impulse in us towards our colleague whose marriage is in crisis. The new mom who's really struggling to cope with her newborn baby, our elderly neighbor who's lonely and isolated and grieving the loss of their wife. We become more aware and and almost have this felt sense of empathy towards those who are broken and those who are neglected and those who are oppressed and those who are lonely because they're the ones that move God's heart. So actually the practice of abiding, it leads us into returning to God in prayer as we become aware of God's heart and we show up when we're present to the needs of the world, we then return to God's heart in prayer, knowing that our heart is moved by the very thing that moves his heart. Because as Richard Foster says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it's within our power to give them. And this, this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. And that's why Jesus emphasizes in this passage the relationship between remaining in his love and obeying his command to love other people because one reinforces the other. And prayer doesn't so much change God, I think as much as it changes us. It moves us beyond ourselves. It moves us beyond our comfort and causes us to speak boldly on behalf of another before God. To pray on behalf of another, that's to pray with Jesus. So audacious prayer, it joins with Jesus. We pray with Jesus because when we put our trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's possible for us to experience the same access to the Father that Jesus enjoys. It's possible for us to actually have the same authority as Jesus has. Jesus says in verse 16, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. When he says, in my name, what he is saying is, whatever you ask under my authority, the Father will give you. He's saying, if you acknowledge that I am who I say that I am, then you can approach God in and through me, and like me, you can boldly ask for an experience of heaven. That's insane that Jesus would make it possible for little old me to come to the courts of heaven with the same authority before the Father and be almost like a co-manager of heaven's products and services. That's why when we face the needs of our world and we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. We're praying under the authority of Jesus. We're standing alongside Jesus before the Father, asking him to respond to our requests. So audacious prayer, it's not prayer according to our reasonable earthly assessment of what will meet a need. We're praying according to the resources of the kingdom of heaven, which are always more than enough 
for a need, over and above, abundantly more than anything we could ask for or imagine. So that is why audacious prayer looks like coming before the Father and boldly asking for a revelation of something of the kingdom of God on earth. We take our place beside Jesus and we boldly ask. And then we ask again, and then we ask again, and then we ask again, and we ask again, and I'm telling you, I think the Father loves it. I think He loves it when we start to get a glimpse of what His Son paid for. I think He loves it when we start to recognize that Jesus, He died so that I might be able to do this, so why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I come before the Father and say, Father, I see my friend whose marriage is in crisis. So I'm asking that you would reveal something of heaven for them. I'm asking that they would have a transformational experience of your reconciling love. Why wouldn't we come before the Father and say, Father, I, I see the young people of my city struggling with mental health problems. So I'm asking that you would reveal something of heaven in this moment. I'm asking for total healing of the mind. I'm asking that you would give them not just strength to manage their problem, but strength to be completely freed from it because I think you've got enough to make that happen. Father, I see the systems of our world, the unjust and broken, broken systems that keep the poor and the marginalized oppressed. And I'm asking for something of heaven to be revealed here. I'm asking that you would break the powers and principalities and forces of evil and that you would bring your shalom. I'm coming before you under the authority of Jesus and I'm asking for heaven on earth. That's what audacious prayer looks like. It's supposed to make you dream big. It's supposed to be beyond what your tiny, tiny little brain can comprehend. It's a mysterious practice. But we have to believe that the Father responds to our requests. We have to be a people who actually stand as friends of Jesus, side by side, under his authority, boldly asking for the very thing that he is asking himself. We're beginning 21 days of prayer. We've done this before. Tomorrow, we're gonna start 21 days as a whole church. 21 days of intercession, and, and we're calling it 1102. And that's because of Luke 11, verse two, where Jesus teaches his followers to pray, your kingdom come. And we're inviting you to join with one another to pray consistently for 21 days at 11.02 a.m. You can set an alarm on your phone, and we've done this before, we did, did this in September, so many of you will have done this before, and um, I, I did it as well, and, and you know what, I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't great at it, <laughs> despite being the chick who's kind of like calling everyone to it, I, I, I wasn't great at it. There were a couple of times my alarm went off, and my alarm was Ariana Grande's The Light Is Coming, which you can imagine like in a meeting is slightly disruptive, but there were times where I was in a meeting or I was at my desk or I was on the tube and I'm like, oh, what, how do I do this? What do I do now? How do I pray boldly? But you know what? The point of this is, is just that we turn our attention to Jesus at the same time. And the thing about praying to Jesus as a friend is we can speak to him like we would speak to our friends. Some of you might be, be like, how do I pray consistently over 21 days? I, I don't have enough words 
to do that. I don't, I don't have enough Christianese to do that. That's okay. You can just speak to Jesus like a friend because what we're doing at 1102 each day is we're praying not only for the kingdom of God to come in our city, but we're going to be praying for three people in our lives who we long to see have an encounter with Jesus. So one of the ways that we can pray for them as friends is just by thinking what would be the best good for them in this moment? What would be God's goodness for them, tangibly experienced in their lives in this moment? I'm gonna ask for that. I'm gonna ask for God's goodness to be demonstrated and revealed for them. And we're praying together as one church at 11.02 a.m. for 21 days starting tomorrow. And to help you do that, you can take one of these cards, they're on your chairs, and you'll see that there's space in there for you to write the name of three people that you want to see encounter Jesus. And many of you will have done this before, and maybe like me, you're writing down the names of the same three people. And that's okay, because we ask, and then we ask again, and then we ask again. So I really encourage you to, to take one of these cards and, and to write names in there now, even now of three people that you want to see experience something of God's goodness. And you can also pray for God's kingdom to come in this city. Because audacious prayer, it, it, it actually changes the world. What if we believe that we could pray in such a way that God's activity in the world would be in response to our conversation with Him. Imagine the healing and the redemption and the restoration that we would see on the earth. Just imagine. Audacious prayer challenges our culture. It boldly speaks on behalf of the other and it joins with Jesus. Can I invite you to join me in praying prayers that take surprisingly bold risks. Are you up for that?